Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 with me. And let us rejoice in the incontrovertible greatness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For any that may listen to this sermon later by our MP3 postings on our website or by video recording device, we have already spent an hour in the Word of God. And you cheat yourself, the Lord Jesus Christ, of glory by taking up now without that preparatory material. We have already studied Ephesians chapter 3 verses 8 through 12 in my introduction. And we have already studied Psalm 68 in our reading, explanation, and singing of a psalm. I would recommend that you look at those passages of Scripture and prepare your heart and mind or listen to those recorded sessions on our website before you take up the rest of this sermon. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, the apostle wrote to Timothy, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Amen and amen. amen. What a text. It's one of my favorites in all the Word of God as it describes the truth and the mystery of godliness that has been conveyed to us and entrusted to us by God who expects this church to be a pillar and ground of the truth. And one aspect of that truth is but three words. Scene of angels. And those words are there for a holy and noble purpose. And I will explain them. Since this is Communion Sunday, we are taking a break from our study of Romans to consider the Lord Jesus Christ directly. My goal is simple. I want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and His death for us sinners by the involvement and the excitement of the heavenly host in those things. They desire to look into the things that we often take for granted. And God forgive us. They desire to look into the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. 1 Peter 1, 10-12 God forgive us for begrudging a couple hours a week to come into His house and hear the Gospel preached. They got terribly excited and loud when Jesus of Nazareth was lying in a manger. 
Because they knew that it was the birth of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And they worshipped Him. And we better worship Him. The Gospel is God's good news to His elect of fantastic mysteries the world has no clue about. They do not know that traveling back and forth, walking to and fro, as the Bible describes them, are the angels in this world's system. And it behooves us to take a few minutes and remind ourselves of how great the angels are. For those that would like to make a greater study, we do have a sermon outline on our website entitled, The Angels of God, which you can find there by the search devices put on that website for your help. The angels are in the presence of God. Job chapter 1 and verse 6 tells us, Now there was a time when the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord. They go before Almighty God. These angelic spirit beings that do not have flesh and blood. I was explaining to some of our children before the service that they're in this room. We don't know how many are in this room, but there are many in this room. We cannot see them because they wouldn't waste their time carrying around skin bags full of water and blood. Our skin bags full of water and blood can't go through that wall and cannot go through this ceiling. But the angels that are in this room do not have to use doors and they never consider using a door. Because they're spirit beings, they come into our presence. And they can be with you when you're driving your car. And they can be with you when you're in an airplane. They can be inside the airplane or outside the airplane because they're laughing as hard as possible at the speed of 550 miles an hour as a total joke for transportation. In one second of time, they can travel from heaven to earth. They're great. The Bible tells us that when God holds a war council, they sit before Him. Micaiah. Or Micaiah. Said he saw heaven opened. And the Lord of hosts sitting on His throne. And all the hosts of heaven gathered before Him in 1 Kings 22. And He said, who is going to persuade Ahab to go to battle so that I can kill him? One raised his hand and suggested this. Another suggested another way. And finally one said, I'll go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, this is Crosby's paraphrase because I'm not reading it directly. Great idea. And I bless it. It will work. And it did work. But they're in his war council. They're able to travel from heaven to earth while you're in the middle of your prayer. It says Daniel, whiles he was a speaking, whiles he was a praying, in Daniel chapter 9, an angel appeared before him that made him utterly terrified and corrupt in his existence as a human standing in the presence of this angel. It's Daniel chapter 10 and verse 8. I was entirely corrupt in his presence. But the angel said, The commandment came forth when you began your prayer. And here I am to answer it. Praise the Lord. Oh, there's so many things that can be said about the angels, but my purpose today is not to preach about the angels. My purpose today is to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Things that the angels delight in and desire to know more about and cannot grasp. 
though they do grasp it, how and why God would save us, especially us Gentiles, and pass over their superior race. As I've already explained from Ephesians chapter 3, they have knowledge and major roles in the nations and empires of the earth, as I've taught you from Daniel chapter 10 at other times. There was a prince of Grecia and there was a prince of Persia that were spiritual powers behind the empires of Alexander the Great and Cyrus the Persian. One can be very intimidating. When men meet an angel like Balaam did when he was on his ass, that ass wasn't going to go forward. That ass saw the angel because the ass had more wisdom than Balaam the prophet riding on its back, the false prophet. Balaam's ass saw the angel and it would not go forward. It would go left, it would go right, and Balaam was beating it and it crushed his Balaam's leg against the wall that was there because it wasn't going forward because there was an angel standing there with a drawn sword. Now the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and then Balaam was on his face on the ground when he saw that angel. One of those angels of the Lord visited the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000 battle-trained soldiers, and wiped them out in one night in the morning. They were all corpses. In the days of David, because God had an issue with Israel, He sent the angel of the Lord, and in three days' time, killed 70,000 men by pestilence. An angel with Gideon had a meal prepared on stones and reached forth his rod, And it burst into fire. With the parents of Samson, the angel walked into the midst of a fire and ascended up into heaven out of their sight. The Bible says the angel did wondrously. Because men cannot do that. They have knowledge that exceeds all the combined knowledge of the human race. They know about the rings of Saturn and the size of Jupiter and things beyond the farthest reach of our telescopes of God's creation. They are able to see into the smallest minute particles of our matter that is on this planet. They are not omniscient, but they are smart enough to know the great creation of God, and they sang His praises when God created the heavens and the earth. And it tells us so in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar knew that there were holy watchers. He knew there were holy watchers after God opened His understanding at the end of seven years being put out to pasture by His counselors because He had His hairs grown out like eagle's feathers and His nails like bird's claws and He was driven from the presence of men and He did eat grass as an ox. But when He came to His senses by the grace of God, the Lord filled His heart with knowledge and understanding of the affairs of this world, and he wrote Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 was not written by Daniel. Daniel chapter 4 was written by the king Nebuchadnezzar, who said as he opened the chapter, Now I, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages on the earth, want to tell you about the great things the high God hath done toward me in the first person. That's his letter. And he describes in that letter that there are holy watchers that were watching him and his arrogance in running the greatest empire in the history of the world who called down judgment upon him for not giving God the glory for the office that he had been given by the God of heaven. 
He says, now I honor and extol the God of heaven, who doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. Nebuchadnezzar knew that there was an army that he could not deal with, that involved reconnaissance angels or watchers that knew what was going on in his kingdom. And they're called watchers twice. Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar knew that. The Bible calls our God, Jehovah, the Lord of hosts, about 235 times. And Lord of hosts means captain of the armies, the hosts of heaven, the innumerable company of angels. God is the captain of them all, his created beings that do his commandments and wage his wars. In Genesis chapter 19, we read that when the faggots of Sodom were surrounding the house of Lot, the angels were able to simply say, be blind. They were all blind and wearied themselves trying to find the door of Lot's house for the good-looking angels that had arrived that night and were staying with him. In Job chapters 1 and 2, we see that Satan himself had power to bring whirlwinds or tornadoes and armies against Job's family and assets. In Mark chapter 5, we're able to see that angels can turn pigs against their nature so that they run down a steep place and drown themselves in the sea. And at the same time, we're able to shut the mouths of lions in Daniel 6 and verse 22 so that they just purred all night with Daniel among them. They can make Zecharias dumb so that he cannot speak because he didn't believe their word about the birth of John the Baptist. And they can come down and trouble some water in John chapter 5 so that the first person into that pool after the water was troubled is healed. Now how's that for power? Many of those that were sick and infirmed that Jesus healed in the New Testament are said to have been possessed by a spirit of infirmity, like a deaf, dumb spirit, meaning you're not going to be able to hear or speak because there's an angel in you, an evil angel, that's keeping you from speaking or hearing. Their comprehension is the most important thing that I want to convey to you. Before I get to that, we are ignorant because we don't read the Bible enough and trust the Bible enough and talk about the Bible enough. We are blind and ignorant to their presence and influence around us. When the young boy awoke in the city of Dothan and told his master that there was a great host of Syrians around the city, Elisha prayed that the Lord would open the eyes of the young man so that he would know that there were more with them too than with them, the army of the Syrians. And so the Lord opened his eyes and he was able to see what we cannot see and that there were chariots of fire surrounding in the mountains that entire besieged city. Our children should be taught this. And I thank God that I had parents that taught me this. Even as a frightful child, that there was camping in my bedroom an angel that could deliver me from any evil. Based on Psalm 34 and verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Right. What I want you to understand is their great knowledge of God's person. 
They are in the presence of God. They know how He operates. They know His commandments. They know His revealed counsel. I want you to think about their knowledge. They know His nature. They know the judgment of their peers who have been cast out of heaven and reserved in chains for everlasting destruction. Remember, those angels, as soon as they saw Jesus, would fall down on their face and worship Him and ask Him if He was coming to torment them before their time. They know their future, and they know who holds their future. And their future isn't good because there's no mercy in the God of heaven or in the Lord Jesus Christ for those angels. They know it. They know Him. They know how holy and just He is and that heaven was not clean in His sight because of their pride and their rebellion. They know the universe. They know about the spiritual realm and all the ranks and activities of angels, good and evil. They know what's going on in earthly activities. They know why one battle, why one army will win in a battlefield and the other will not. And it's not because of military superiority. Unless God has chosen to use military superiority. They know it's because the angel power is behind the victors. Their knowledge of all these things dwarfs our own. We want to lift up the angels to where they belong and no higher. Because my purpose is something different. And now I get to go to my purpose in the text before you. My purpose is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, write the three words, seen of angels? Because he is pointing out the incontrovertible greatness of the mystery of godliness conveyed in the gospel, which is the good news and glad tidings of our salvation, which includes the involvement and the excitement and the praise and the devotion and the service and the worship of angels to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the Spirit, but He was seen of angels. The Lord Jesus Christ, His birth, His life, His death, His ascension are of such profound importance that the angels of heaven were involved in watching and looking and following Him and assisting in His activities. Described here in three words, seen of angels. Job once said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. He never saw God. He just got a whole lot more involved with God than he'd ever been involved with them before. But he called it, now mine eye seeth thee. Just like you say when you're having some concept explained to you, now I see it. No, you don't. Your eyes aren't looking at anything differently than they were five minutes earlier. But you're explaining an intimate knowledge, a familiarity, a a grasping of it, an involvement with it that you didn't have before. Scene of angels. I don't have time to belate the point. I'll go to my next text in just a moment. You'll understand. Angels see most everyone and most everything. So the intent has to be a much more intimate involvement of the angels with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at the context of the verse, and what the Apostle is trying to communicate, we understand the involvement of heaven with Jesus of Nazareth, who was made lower than the angels, but the angels lowered themselves to worship Him who was lower than them, because He was to be their captain forever. And they knew it. More on that in just a moment. 
prior to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, there was no incarnate Son of God or God-man for them to see. But it was His manifestation in flesh that made Him the visible Son of God. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. For the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It wasn't until there was that baby in the manger in Bethlehem that there was the Son of God for angels to see. And they saw. They came and they looked. They came and they looked and they sang. They came and they looked and they sang and they praised and worshipped Him, the Lamb, forever and ever. Turn with me now to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I thank God that He's given me such a privilege to preach such wonderful things to you. Right. Who am less than the last of the least to do this. I know one thing, I'd be vying with the four beasts if someone else was preaching and I was sitting where you're sitting. I hope I wouldn't be daydreaming about what you're going to do this afternoon. The angels are offended as they see your eyelids get heavy. God's offended. We're talking about His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the greatest privilege in the world to talk about these things. I'm entirely unworthy of it, but I love doing it. And the conflict inside is of enormous torment to me sometimes. I never want to misdivide a text of Scripture. I want to bring out the full glory. And thank you, brother. The very words in that song that were just slapping me around are the ones you picked. Make all His glories known. This is how the Apostle wanted to make them known. In three words. Scene of angels. Because it tells us that the heavenly host that are greater than us in power and might and glory, they care about Jesus of Nazareth. They care about the Gospel. They desire to look into it. What about you? Do you barely get here? Are you barely able to stay awake? They know the truth of the identity of Jesus of Nazareth and what's coming. They know the glory that God has shown in saving some of us and not their fallen comrades. They know all that. Let us ask ourselves, do we know Jesus Christ as we should? Let us pray, as we learned on Wednesday evening, that God would grant us by the strength and might of His Spirit in our inner man to lay hold of Christ by faith that we might know who He is and what He has done for us and not for them. The God of glory and the Lord Jesus Christ together have not suffered for one second for all the sinning angels. But He came and suffered the death of the cross for us. What grace! What wisdom, what manifold wisdom, as it's said in Ephesians 3.10, that the angels are learning from us, by us, as the object of God's favor, and as the subjects of the preaching of the gospel. John chapter 1, 
Philip goes and finds Nathaniel in verse 45 and says, We have found him. John 1:45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And they have a little exchange, and Philip says, Come and see him. And Nathanael comes with him, and as soon as Jesus saw Nathanael, he said in the second half of verse 47, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile! Exclamation point. Nathaniel was a great child of God, an Israelite indeed. And Jesus identified him as such. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? They hadn't met before. Or so Nathaniel thought. Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. He had Philip's testimony, and he had this miracle, and that was all that it took, because he had also correctly identified Nathaniel's heart, which he full well knew himself, that he was a true, sincere lover of God. He had those pieces of information. Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, plural pronoun, to all of those assembled round about Nathanael, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You're going to get a glimpse of my close connection to the God of heaven because heaven's going to be opened and there's going to be angels ascending and descending like they did on that holy ladder that was raised up in Jacob's dream when he made a stone for his rock at Bethel. When he made a stone for his pillow at Bethel. And in a vision of the night, the angels were ascending and descending and God came to him and promised him great blessings that God would take care of him, that though he was fleeing for his life, God would make a great nation of him with a numerous posterity and many blessings. And Jesus here is saying, you're going to see in my life, visible and invisible, not said here, but it's what happened later, visible and invisible, the work of angels in my life. Ascending and descending, showing God's favor upon me, And that little miracle of seeing you under the fig tree, that isn't very much at all compared to what you're going to see. Some limit this prophecy to the second coming with his angels, but the context is miracles, not any second coming. The context clearly leads us to, if this impressed you, just wait to what you're about to see. Because Jesus does his first miracle in the next chapter. Though this is sort of a miracle, it's not the visible sign that there was when he converted water to wine of John 2 that the Holy Spirit identifies as his first miracle. The apostles got to see a great ministry of angels in the life of their Lord. Let's look at a few of those examples. Jesus' redemption of his people is so great. It is such a profound display of wisdom and power that the angels 
are fascinated by it. They have observed everything else he has created. They know of galaxies we do not know of. They know of the dimensions of the universe that we do not know of. They know of things he's created and done. They know of his character and his nature. They know of his works. They've seen them close at hand. And yet, when it comes to redemption, they are fascinated by it. And so the Bible in 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, and I'll mention it for the second or third time, when it describes the prophets speaking of things that they did not understand, describe the sufferings of Christ. These are the things. Which things the angels desire to look into? You need to know what the things are. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What glory followed? Jesus Christ was crowned with glory and honor above them at the right hand of God. And the glorious kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ came into being, of which we're part of right now, which they stand and watch, us filthy, skin bags of water and blood, worshiping Jehovah as his sons and daughters. They're his servants, and they're our servants. We're joint heirs with their Lord. How do I tell you? Matthew chapter 1. I like its opening words. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Do you like those words? Oh, what a better testament. You say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I like the opening of that testament. I like the opening of the second better. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Who cares if God created us if He didn't save us? All His creative power would do is consign us to an eternity in hell if it wasn't for Matthew 1.1. I love the doctrine of creation, and I bless and praise the Creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who liveth forever and ever. But I thank God that He sent His Son to be my Savior. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said. Matthew chapter 1. Now listen, brethren, the, the theme is simple today. It's this simple. I have taken this long to, to introduce and to hint at where my objective is. And I have taken this time to lift up angels. But now it is time to see their involvement in the Lord Jesus Christ, represented by three words from our brother's pen. Seen of angels. Heaven got involved, and heaven got involved with great excitement and at a very detailed level in our Lord's life. Verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then we have Holy Spirit commentary that this was all fulfilled to keep Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. 
except in the Revised Standard Version. And Joseph, being a just man, rose from his sleep and did exactly as the angel told him to. And Mary brought forth her firstborn son. Joseph called his name Jesus, and he did not know her until after she had brought forth her firstborn son. And it was fulfilled in him. This is Emmanuel, God with us. But I want you to notice that at the birth of Jesus, the angels of God were involved. The bearer of the news to Joseph to understand how his wife was pregnant, though engaged and betrothed to him, was not by another man, but was by the Holy Ghost. And at the name of this son, and it was going to be a son, it was going to be the masculine male seed of the woman, was to be named Jesus. And the reason why, he shall save his people from their sins. Did the angel know about the redemption of the human elect? They are elect angels because they were chosen and preserved in their innocence before God. But we are elect and chosen sinners and saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider that some chief angels of heaven, the angel of the Lord by title here, were involved in this early stage of revealing the things about our redemption. Scene of angels. Joseph, the poor man, is shaking his mind, comforted by an angel. Uh, did one named Gabriel do a similar thing to Mary? Why don't we turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist. Read the context. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. How many times have they said, I won't go? Psalm 103 and verse 20 tells us they always keep his commandments, brethren. Because they're elect and chosen to it. They don't have a sin nature like we do. The ones that had a problem with sin are long gone out of that holy place. Sent by God. Okay. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee. Small, little, obscure place. The people couldn't even speak the Jews' language correctly. If you read Acts chapter 2, all the assembled Jews in Jerusalem mocked the Galileans for having a weird accent. Unto Nazareth, where Nathaniel himself said, How can a good thing come out of Nazareth? Right. Now, how's that for an ugly part of the earth? You want to talk about being born on the other side of the tracks? <laughs> yes. But the angels care. The angels care. Men didn't care enough to give them room in the inn. If you have enough power, influence, or money, there's always, always... A room in the inn. But there wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the angels took care of that. Forgive me. Delighting in the birth of the King of Kings. Verse 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. That same Joseph we just read about in Matthew 1. Of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. 
And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then the angel explained and answered Mary's obvious question, How can I conceive, seeing I'm a virgin, and I haven't known a man sexually? And the angel explains it. The manifold wisdom of God, understood by the angels, and introduced by the angels, but they still desire to look into these things because this was the love of God raising up His Son on this earth for the redemption of us, not for them. We'll stop at this point and take up right here when we come back after our break. May God bless the preaching of His Word to your hearts and your minds. May your spirits be lifted up and your minds excited about the things that excite angels as they worship God. You know what's coming next. Nine months after this event, there were shepherds abiding in the field at night. And there was a praise band the like of which the world has never seen. A multitude of the heavenly host, a military chorus and a military band came and sang praises at the birth of the King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, my Savior, your Savior, and the one we celebrate today. Amen. Amen.